At Granger, we're for the ones who pay attention to every little detail, the ones who fuss, tinker, and sweat the small stuff. Because you know the tiniest thing can make the biggest difference when it comes to keeping business moving. We get it. We're the same way. Offering access to product experts to help you quickly and easily find what you need. So whatever your industry, you know you're always getting professional-grade products. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, everyone. Welcome to The Final Four is Not on the Schedule. I'm your host, Eric, alongside with expert analyst Rod. Thanks for joining us on the best MSU basketball podcast featuring an in-depth recruiting, game matchup, and post-game analysis. We dive deep to give you the best tools to enjoy the Spartans and impress your friends and family. Hey everybody, it's Eric alongside Rod. We're here joined today by Tim Bugrakis, former Michigan State uh, player and walk-on turned scholarship player that those of you of our vintage age remember remember him playing at Michigan State. Uh, and so... Uh, we're thrilled to have you on. Thanks so much for coming on, Tim. I appreciate it. Yeah, and this is the first time I've been called vintage so far. So I uh, welcome to the forties. Yeah, it feels good. I guess I don't. I don't know. You could be called elderly statesman or something like that. That'd be much worse. That that's a I couple, could. That's a little while from now, probably. I well, I've I have since I've been resigned to the fact that I, I meet people now who were, weren't born when I was playing, and their their parents will try to introduce me, and I'm like, ah, the, your son or daughter wasn't alive yet, so they, they don't care. <laughs> well, uh, again, thanks so much for joining the show. We really appreciate it. These are yeah. some part of our summertime conversations here in the off season. Um, so why don't we just uh, start out right away? Uh, let's parts that I wasn't aware of at the time. I mean, talk about your recruitment to Michigan State. Uh, I think your your father played for Michigan State in the late '60s for a year or two, and uh, then obviously you end up at Michigan State. What was the recruitment process like? You know, where where else were you looking? Those sorts of things. Yeah. Um, so my recruitment process kind of uh, started on my own. I had my my high school basketball coach, Stan Gooch, who's a, a legendary uh, high school coach in the state of Michigan, had a relationship with coaches on the coaching staff down here. And he, he basically would I would drive down with him a, a few days a week um, to play pickup basketball in the offseason with the team. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I would play as a relative term because I drive down and sometimes they, they I wouldn't get any games on the court or I'd sit and watch and um but I would come you know uh, you know a few days a week consistently and, and just to to try to play a little bit and and uh that was kind of my process of coming to Michigan State obviously I knew you know Mateen and Charlie and, and Mo Pete and those guys um you know from we were all I think I was you know 10 11 years old when I when I first met met all those guys through AAU ball so um, that was, you know, my connection there. And then my high school coach would bring me down to play. Um, I was all, you know, I, I went, I visited Kent State. Uh, I was, I went to Ferris, you know, schools like that, but I did, there was never any real interest or scholarship offers or, you know, I was going to come to Michigan State regardless. I was in, I had been accepted. I was coming to school here. <laughs> um, and then through the kind of the playing of the pickup ball and, and that, they kind of, they came to me and said, you know, you could join the team as a, as a preferred walk-on. That's cool. So do you? So then you played against Patine, the other, uh, obviously the, the famous Flintstones, when you were in high school. I didn't play against Mateen. Mateen was older than I was, but I grew up watching those guys. Like okay. he was, he was one of those guys. Like I was, uh, you know, as a 
12 year old he was in high school playing you know 12 13 before i got to high school he was dominating high school so i I would go to their games and watch those guys i played against charlie uh my freshman year was his senior year but you know all those guys were like they were they were legends to me growing up and i watched them and uh you know i was i was a big fan of the flintstones like everybody else was maybe as a a follow-up to that uh, so you you really were at i would say the tail end of the the classic the golden age of basketball in flint what was it like just for for people who are maybe a little younger aren't familiar with it what what was the role of basketball like in that community when you were growing up i mean from from the outside it, it just seemed like such a huge huge central part of the culture of that community yeah, it was huge. Uh, I mean, bas- uh, a, uh, a city basketball game where you say you have you had four class A high schools in the city of Flint at that point with Central, Northern, Northwestern, Southwestern. And any one of those matchups on any given night, with the, then the gym would be full. And it was an event. Like, you wanted to be there. You wanted to see, you know, Northern play Northwestern because Mateen was going to play against this other guard, Jody Allen from Northwestern, who was an amazing guard. And it, the, and it was just – you knew it was going to be a battle – the crowds were going to be going back and forth. It was going to be really intense. And uh, and playing in it, you knew you had to show up and play hard-nosed, tough uh, basketball, regardless of it, if it was a high school game, if it was a pickup game, if it was at, you know, a, a park, whatever it was, it was kind of the 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 foundation and fabric of the city was had kind of bled into basketball. And so, you know, Flint's a hard-working, blue-collar city for a long time, and that's where that was the way that, that basketball was played as well. So, uh, you know, you had to you had to strap your shoes up and be ready to go. Um, But it was I mean, that was, you know, they were those guys were celebrities back then in the city of Flint, basically. And and that even led into like there was a a pro-am league in in Flint for a long time where it was, you know, you had college pro guys, college guys, just guys from the city that were unbelievable basketball players, but maybe never graduated high school. But they were as good as anybody you've ever seen playing. And then you'd get, you know, you know, then you lump in, you know, folks coming from Saginaw and Detroit and, and it was, uh, it, it was exciting. It was, it, it was a great experience. It was fun to be a part of fun to go watch and just experience it. I have a friend of mine from college who was a baseball player at Flint central and he swears the best high school game he ever saw in his life was a scrimmage. I'm a little older than you. It was <laughs> a scrimmage when uh, T green was at Flint central yep. and Glenn rice and all of uh, Andre Risen and all those guys were at Flint Northwestern. And I can imagine he probably wasn't too far off. No, no T. And so funny thing, T T green is a long time. I've known T since after I'm 41, I've known him for 41 years. Like I, my grandpa was the athletic director at Flint central back then. So I would sell, I sold tickets to those games <laughs> and then I'd be in the crowd for those <laughs> games. I have a picture on my wall here with me and my grandma and I'm probably two years old in the gym uh, at a Flint central game. So he's, he's not, he's, he's not wrong. Those were some, those were some really, really good teams back then. So turning back to Michigan state. So you actually played at MSU from 2001 to 2005, but you took a red shirt your first year, right? I did. Yeah. Okay. So maybe if you could tell our, our listeners a little bit, how your role on the team evolved over that time. Cause you went from, again, a, a non-scholarship redshirt player to a guy playing big minutes in, in places like Rep Arena. 
before you were done. So maybe just tell us a little bit about how what went into your role changing. And and the thing is, too, it's not like Michigan State didn't have tons of scholarship talent during your time there. There were a lot of very, very highly rated players, and you still managed to force your way into the rotation. Yeah, it's interesting. My So I came in that 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 first year and just uh and just figured i'd be you know i was gonna be a practice player to help the team prepare for games and and, and whatnot and you know act as the, the scout team and the other team and you know i learned a lot that year from guys like uh matt ishbia brandon smith who were fellow walk-ons right. but who had been through the champion kind of that run of final fours into the championship mm-hmm. of how important practices are to for success on the court so you had to make sure that you were given this the the playing group as best of a look as you could as competitive as they could be and that was a real secret to a lot of the the successful teams back then where the practices were just as hard as the games because there were so many good players and we would just go at it whether it be just a a rebounding drill a defensive drill whatever it was we had to we had it had to be 100 miles an hour Um, and that was kind of what my year was like that year was just you know riding the coattails of that final four team and, and but being a part of the on the practice squad and and showing up every day that way. And then going into that next season, you know, we had five seniors graduate and then we had two guys leave early, Jason Richardson and Zach Randolph leave right. early for the draft. So, you know, you have seven guys leave. We're kind of left with a short bench that next year. And in the off season and going into the next year, uh, one of coaches, those old coaches from college was watching us practice and he pulled me aside and he said, you know, you could find minutes on this team if you can commit to uh, uh uh, playing 100 miles an hour every day, rebounding the basketball, playing defense, and grabbing loose balls. He said, if you can commit to doing those things, there are minutes for you on this team because it's a it's a role that's not being filled right now. And from that that day, I kind of switched my focus to just that was what I focused on doing every single day was you know high energy, high effort, um, you know being after the ball and and, and defensively playing hard. And I kind of found my way into the rotation that that way, and and uh, so I had I had him to thank for a lot of that. But that was really the the, the mind shift and the role shift was you know this was the way I was going to get on the court and and find some some minutes as we keep we were you know we were bringing in McDonald's All Americans every year back then. Right. They didn't need me to they didn't need me to be focused offensively to try to score, but to come in for two to three minute four minute stretches, maybe change the energy on the court. You know, defensively don't make any mistakes and and. Uh, don't turn the ball over. So is would, would stop yelling at me. <laughs> well, yeah, and that's, and that's what I rec- recall most about you is that you come came in and it was an energy level change. I mean, I think I feel like for Mati Sissoko is a good example of that a couple of years ago where he'd come in and the energy level sort of changed in the game. And that was mm-hmm. before he was starting last year. Uh, so let's turn to a game that, you know, as we were joking before, a lot of Spartan fans may not remember because is before they're, <laughs> before they're born, like my son, uh, who's a big yeah. Spartan fan, but, uh, in at Rupp Arena against Kentucky, you hit the shot right at the very end, the end of the game. You hit a, a wide open three. Uh, the Kentucky mm-hmm. switched to zone, um, and then is equipped after the game. Oh yeah, well Tim was our sixth option of the five guys in the court, right? I mean, the, and and I mean you were not a at least statistically you're not a great three point shooter, twenty eight percent I think you know at least yeah. in, in games, and nothing but net net on that shot. So yeah. I mean, it's a really funny, funny moment. Great moment, obviously, for Spartans. Ones that I think puts you much like Kenny Goins hitting the three in the NCAA tournament, right? The walk-on, you turn scholarship. But 
talk about what it, what, what it took for you to take that shot, to be confident about shooting it. I mean, because I think that there's a lot more in that than actually just like just taking the shot, right? Because you had to not hesitate and just take it. I mean, I know it was the yeah. shot clock's coming, winding down and those sorts of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was uh, yeah, everything you just, I mean, you know, we, what I think most people probably don't, they don't see, everyone on the team is practicing those shots hundreds of times by themselves in the gym. But, um, you know, I, there's a reason I was open. I think I was my first three pointer of the year yeah. that I had taken <laughs> at that point. Um, and the only reason I was in the game was because uh, Calvin Torbert took an elbow to the head earlier in the, in that game. And he, I think he had a concussion, so he was out. So if he's not hurt, I don't even think I'm on the floor at that point. <laughs> yeah. But you know, it was, it was, like you said, shot clock was, was, was running down. Obviously I was in the corner for a reason because it was like to get out of the way and we're going <laughs> to let Ballinger or Chris Hill shoot this shot. Um, but you know, the ball got swung to me and it was just, you know, it was more of a reaction kind of a, you know, this is in rhythm, catch it where we were at 10 seconds or less in the shot clock. Let's get something up. And then, you know, hopefully we crash the boards and, and Al or somebody comes down with an offensive board. We get, if I miss it, we get another chance. And I just happened to make it. It was just, you know, one of those things. Did, when you made that, were you, were you a surprise as probably people watching on TV that, you know, first one thing you're shooting it and then, or were you, or were you <laughs> like, well, I've hit that a million times of practice. It's just, you know, just went in. I didn't, I, I don't, I, I just, I remember thinking, get back on defense. And then I, I think I just kind of started laughing a little bit with, uh, <laughs> with Alan and, and as we ran off the court, cause Kentucky called timeout right after that. So, um, I don't know. I mean, I hit, I, I hit that shot a lot in practice and, and, and in playing, um, but you know, I surprised everybody. <laughs> well, and, and, and the thing to remember, I'm, I'm curious because I don't know the answer to this. Do you remember what you averaged as a senior in high school? How many points a game? I probably averaged 15 ish a game. Okay. So obviously a very productive high school player at, at what was a very high level class, a program. And, and, and that's the thing I think people don't always appreciate. So somebody like Matt Ishbia, for example, we'll talk about him as, you know, a human victory cigar when he played, but the guy averaged 20 plus points a game the senior year in high school. Yeah. So you've played high level basketball games in which you were expected to be a scorer and you've hit shots like that. So I, I have to believe even a couple of years down the line, some of that is just muscle memory. You've taken those shots before and made them. Yeah. Right. I, yeah. Like I said, I mean, guys are shooting, you know, two, 300 shots after practice some days or in the off season. So it's, it's not like I never shot the ball when I wasn't, uh, playing, you know, we spent a lot of time in the gym shooting and, and, uh, yeah, it's, you know, shooting wasn't my role. So I didn't, right. I didn't focus on it during games, but, um, I scored a lot in practice as, as a, as a prolific scout team scorer. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but I also think the point, the point I'm trying to make too, is that sometimes fans that don't think this stuff through, they look at someone who's a non-scholarship player and think, well, that guy, you know, he just isn't very good. No, no, he's he's a really good basketball player by any possible human standards. Yes. It's just that he's he's being judged by these impossibly great standards of what it takes to be a, a scholarship player or a highly rated player at a Big Ten university. I think the same thing about the NBA. People think that they can they can walk onto the court and hang with 
you know, the 12th man on an NBA roster. And that, that player is an unbelievable athlete. Sometimes perspective gets lost, I think. Yeah, it's funny. I tell my son, I just told my son that the other day, he's 11. And I said, you do realize that the the 15th guy on an NBA bench was probably the best player on his college basketball team, right? And right. he's like, what do you mean? I go, he's the best player on his team. He's just, maybe it's a situational thing, but he's really good. Yeah, exactly. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Um, so it, it, you had, you had touched a few minutes ago on, uh, what you saw as your role and your path to, to gaining, uh, a spot in the rotation and making an impact, uh, positively for Michigan state. Um, and your history going from a walk on to a scholarship player, I think, I think you were the first guy in Izzo's tenure to do that. If I remember correctly, and there have been. There have been a few others since then. And during the annual team awards, there's now a Tim Bobrakis award. What, what does that mean to you to have made that kind of impact that there's an award named after you? Yeah. I, I mean, it, it means a lot to have the award. I, I still don't know if I, if, if, if I'm always deserving to have it named after me. I mean, I think, you know, I don't think going from a walk on to a scholarship, the player necessarily means there was a huge impact. I, I, I mean, I think I did, I think I did have an impact, but I, I look at like, I, I look at guys like Matt Ishbia and Brandon Smith and, and Steve Cherry, and, and these are guys who won the national championships. And so, um, you know, they, they made a huge, imp- I know they made a huge impact because I've, I've seen them do it. I've, I've heard the stories about, you know, what Matt and, and how Matt and Mateen battled in practice to get, you know, every single day. And then, I've heard Mateen tell the story. And so, um, I mean, you know, I don't want to downplay it. It, it it's a huge honor. Uh, you know, I, uh, I thanked coaches all plenty of times for it. I, I was, I was very surprised when we did it and I'm grateful to have it in, in my place. I, I don't you know. I have a hard time thinking I was the most impactful walk on to, to have an award named after me, but I will take it. I think Matt's name, Matt's naming things after himself on campus so that he doesn't need the award at this point. He right, bought, he bought right. the sun. So he's got that. I think he can let me have the award, but it's been cool. I mean, I, it's been great to be able to go to the, the basketball banquet and, and present it a few times. My dad's got to present it once or twice to people. Um, and we've had some amazing players that have gone from walk-ons to scholarship 
you know, in Absolutely. the last 15, you know, 15, 18 years since I've been off, off the team. I mean, so. I think that's the biggest thing is that it represents this, this approach in, in Tom Izzo's program. And I'm just saying this as a fan mm-hmm. that you can, there's been a, a pattern established that you can be a guy who doesn't come in, forget being, you know, a top 50 ranked player or a McDonald's all American or any of those things. You can come in as a guy without a scholarship. And yet before you're done, you could be out there hitting game winning shots in elite eight games against Duke. Yep. You know, you can be, you can be a starter like Austin Thornton was for a team that earns, who wins a big 10 championship and earns a number one seed, you know, or you can hit a game winning shot at Rupp arena to beat Kentucky. I mean, it, it really is something that I personally think is pretty unique there's a lot of things about Michigan State's program that are unique, but I do think that's one of them that maybe people don't fully appreciate is that there's a history of this, and you were really the first guy to do that. Yeah. Um, but there, as you said, there have been lots of other guys who have followed in your path and have also done great things at Michigan State. Yeah, and I think, uh, I mean, my sense is a lot of it comes from Coach Izzo's experience when, when he was in college as a player and making sure, you know, that uh, he, he has always made sure that the walk-on experiences Michigan State basketball the same way as the starter does. So there's no there's no differentiation between what a walk-on gets, what happens for a walk-on and what happens for, you know, the uh, a Mateen Cleaves kind of a player. It's, it's you know, everyone is included in everything. And, and, and that stretches down to the managerial staff, the support staff, the janitor. I mean – it's it's part of the the reason that the program is so successful or has been is because there's a buy-in from everybody but everybody realizes they're important and, and they've got a job that's important to the success of the program um and you know rudy who was the janitor at breslin when we were there we all had his phone number and if we needed to get into the gym to shoot late at night you could call rudy because we knew he was working at night he'd come you know he'd open the door for you and you know, even now, you know, I saw him a couple months ago and we, we big hugs and it's great to see him. But because, he, you know, he's he was as part of he was a part of it, just like the rest of us was. And um, that that that's always been a, a, a huge kind of foundational piece for it. One of the things you notice as a fan is that if you're a walk on and you go on to, into the game, Izzo doesn't yell at you when you're on the court. He's the only players. The <laughs> other, they're the only players who don't get yelled at. Uh, I assume that's different in practice. But it um, what what was it? Was it different for you? Because was that the same experience for you when you're the first season, you're kind of a walk on and then now you're there's more expected of you. And so you're getting more of an earful no. when you're out of the court. <laughs> no, I didn't. I walked on to I got it. I got an earful from the moment I got on the to practice. And so I'll give you a good example of story. I We were running a basic three on two drill. And I threw a pass that was maybe six inches behind where Charlie wanted to catch it for a layup. I think he still caught it and probably got the shot off, but Izzo just lit into me because it was a bad pass. He made, he kicked me off the court. I had to go to the sideline into the tunnel and practice throwing chess passes with a manager for five minutes. <laughs> and because of that moment, he called me the worst passer in the history of basketball. To this day, he still calls me that. And so I didn't, he, there was never a point where he didn't yell at me. As a walk-on, and he, I, I, I watched him go nose to nose with with Ish and with Brandon Smith. Who, you know, when I first got there, 
and other walk-ons when I, when, when I was playing. So he might not yell at him during the games because, you know, we're, we're normally winning at that when, at the end of a game, but he screamed at me a lot. <laughs> I got the full experience. <laughs> How was that? How your how your coach is a, in high school? Was it a transition for you to get uh, sort of that different coaching method from when you were a high school athlete? No, my high school coach was a yeller. <laughs> so uh, he was. I mean, he yelled at me in high school a lot. He yelled at me when other people made mistakes. So I was, I you know, the yelling. I was used to being able to kind of pull the messaging out of of the the delivery. Um, so that wasn't that there was a definitely a transition there because it, you know, it, it can get hard on you when you're getting yelled at consistently over, uh, over something. But, um, that wasn't the biggest trend. I think the speed of the game is the, was the biggest transition for me coming to Michigan state. But yeah, I had a, I had a yeller as a high school coach. So, <laughs> well, before we be, uh, continue, I just want to remind everyone, uh, I don't know if it's been like the weather's been like as where I am, Tim, but we've had a deluge of rain. And so I want to remind everyone to check out the Brothers to Just Do Gutters. They do great, fantastic work on the east side and the west side of the state. Unfortunately, not in Lansing area. So I think you're out of luck there. But you can get 10% off your work. Uh, they are excellent tradesmen. They do fantastic work, quick, efficient. Uh, they repair, replace, and uh, can uh, clean out your gutters if you need to have those sort of problems. Also, to check out Nudge Printing, uh, that they do all the printing for Michigan State. They were instrumental in the Spartan Strong effort uh, to raise $155,000, printing over 15,000 T-shirts. Gabe and Brittany are great Spartans. Uh, they are a sponsor of the show, and they do great, fantastic work. Great shirts. I'm wearing one right now. It's super comfortable. Great to um, great to work out in. or Well, I don't work out much, but when I walk around the town and stuff like that. So it's a, a great shirt. Uh, they do uh, high-quality printing work. You can get 10, 20% off your order if you enter Final Four into coupon code. So check out Nudge Printing at nudgeprinting.com. Uh, so I guess, you know, you were there for what, two final fours. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that's pretty good. I mean, that, you know, Not for bad. people to say, yeah, you know, I played two, uh, two final fours. I guess you weren't playing the first year, but, uh, yeah. uh, what sort of stories you have fun stories from those guys, uh, either, any of those years, the, uh, things that, you know, maybe we might not know about. Oh man. What kind of fun stories do I have from the final fours? Um, I don't know if I have any, uh, I just remember. I think. I, I think the over the thing you remember the most are like, just, just like the experience of like right, going to the dunk contest with your teammates, or the you know you're running onto the floor for a shoot around, and there's thirty five thousand people there to watch you practice, and you're like, holy smokes, <laughs> this is this is wild. Um, it, it's kind of that whole like the whole, I don't know, pomp and circumstance of the whole Final Four experience. I mean, I was fortunate my first year that you know. I had I had seniors who had been to four straight, I think, at that point. Like that was they had they were used to it. Like we the final four was on the schedule at that yeah, point. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, we were going every year. <laughs> and we were the number one. I mean, my freshman year, we were the, we were the number one seed in the tournament. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, we there were a lot of uh, expectations on, on on that team. And um I, j- I just, you know, I just remember sitting there almost in awe of being like at the final four or even in a tournament and you know, I had the best seat in the house to watch these games. And, you know, we were first couple of games, we were, we beat up on people pretty good, but then we, you know, we played some really good teams and, and uh, just to watch our guys, the, you know, the preparation, the, the intensity of the whole thing and the, and just to, just to see what it takes to, to get to a final four was, was really eye opening. 
Yeah, we talked about this a couple, maybe a week ago or so, uh, Rod and I. But, uh, you know, there, it, when Izzo made his first Final Four in the uh, 90s, the expectation was not that there'd, there'd be many more. I mean, it was something it was not. But by this point, probably after you were gone, then the Final mm-hmm. Fours were more like, a, oh, yeah, we're going to go to the Final Four every once in a while as Michigan State. It does sort of mm-hmm. more of an expectation from a program standpoint. What Was there something different about his preparation? Did you like uh, – is it more sort of regimented when you got to the NCAA tournament than it was even during the regular season? Is sort of your routine? Um, yes and no. I mean, the, the the whole thing is is I don't say scripted out, but it's it's a it's a well oiled machine of of prep time. So, I mean, you could say like you would. Well, I'll give you a full weekend, right? We you play a game, you win the first game, you get you know packed up back to the hotel. The, the, doesn't really matter what time it is. You, you walk, you know, you, you look at a little bit of film of the next team you're going to play, eat something, look a little bit of film, go to bed, you get up, you know, you know, your next meal, you're going to look at a little more film, get your scouting report, start looking through matchups. You'll go to practice, come back, eat again, maybe have a couple, maybe have a little break in there, come back for a walkthrough, watch more film, you know, maybe a little break. You're going to come back one more time and walk through it all again go through scouting reports, get up the next day. You know, I don't, I don't know whatever time the game time is. You're going to do that same kind of thing at least once more the day of the game, you know, and then go play the next game for the tournament. So there's no, there's no downtime in, at a tournament. It's, you know, we're here, they're, they're you're there for one thing and the one thing only and that's to win one game and then get ready for the next game and then win the next game and get out of the weekend. And so, um, I, I tell people I've been to a lot of like cool cities. I haven't seen a single one of them just cause I've seen <laughs> gyms and hotels, gyms and hotels and buses. Um, so like my parents would go, they'd have great times on these trips. And I was never, I don't, I don't, I don't know anything about some of these cities that we've been to even big 10 cities. I don't know anything about them. Um, maybe just to, to wrap this up, you, you mentioned a second ago how many great teams you played against. And, and if you think about it, just in those two final four runs, you, you saw Arizona the first year you were in it. And then the second mm-hmm. time North Carolina, um, what team, what do you think was the greatest team that you faced during your time at MSU? What was maybe the one that stood out above everybody else and said, yeah, that's the best we ever ran into. Mm. There's a lot of good choices. There's a lot of good choices. I'm trying to think of who like Buzz sawed us pretty good. I, I'll I'll give I'll give you a mind to get us started. I actually think even though Carolina ended up beating them, I thought Illinois in 2005 was the greatest non non Michigan State Big Ten team I've seen in the last 25 years. I thought that team was incredible. I did too, and it's funny. I knew you were going to say that because I listened to your podcast on basketball traditions. <laughs> And so I knew you were going to, but I, I agree. I mean, they had, you know, they had five starters who all went to the NBA and they, you know, they, I think they had seven pros on that team. They were unbelievable to play against. And you didn't really, you couldn't really game plan too much for them because, you know, pick your poison of who you try to stop. If right. it's D Brown, then Darren Williams shows up and, yeah. or Luther head, you know, is hitting threes or Powell or Augustine. I mean, I, they were probably the best team that year. I mean, they were, it was arguably they were the best team that year. It was either Carolina. Or, I mean, Carolina had five or four lottery picks that season. 
Yeah. Um, crazy. I'll tell you what, the Car- 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 Carmelo Anthony team came in and played us. That's right. Yeah. At, at Breslin, and they were pretty good. They, they, I think they beat us by two, one or two. That they were, he was pretty good. They were, they were good, but he was very good. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, we played, we, you know, how is those schedules? We played everybody, so it's that that Arizona team, your first year. I mean, if I remember correctly, Richard Jefferson. Yeah, I think Gilbert Arenas was yep. on that team as yep. well. I mean, that's that's pretty loaded. They buzzed us pretty good that day too. I mean, they had in they, the second half. Yeah, yeah. Jason Gardner was their, their starting. Luke Walton yep. was on that team. I mean, they. Channing Fry might have been on that team as well. So um, we saw that. I, I think I was fortunate to see the best of the best uh, throughout my career. And, uh, you know, like it, it says, what we, we'd play anybody, any, any place, anytime. It wasn't always pretty, but we would, we would do it. <laughs> well, uh, we could certainly keep talking certainly about this year's team and stuff, but I know you've got to go and I want to be respectful of your time. Yeah. So Tim, so thank you so much for coming on the show. We're, it's great to catch up and, uh, find a little bit more behind the scenes stuff that's going on at Michigan state. Uh, yeah, it was awesome. Let's do it again. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so until next time, the final four is on the schedule. Go green. Thank you.